burninating peasants. My in inner ear has been damaged. Hi, my name's Jason, and I like to party. <laughs> we need the teeny boppers to get in on BYU TV Sports. Oh, man, man, Troy's legit. They're coming to Provo. <laughs> oh, no. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. Interviews and insight from this week in Cougar Sports. Every Saturday, only on BYU Radio. To lead off, here's the double coverage interview of the week. BYU and Army postponement, Cougars in the NFL, and leaving tickets for Elvis. Here's my conversation with Trevor Maddich on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. All right, Trevor, all this excitement and energy going into the week of Army. BYU gets ranked, and then uh, it's postponed because of uh, COVID-19. What's your reaction to BYU postponing the game with Army? Uh, it's disappointed. I mean, it was their chance to follow up that great Navy win with a potential win over a ranked team. And BYU this year has a chance for this season to be really special. And to face a ranked team in their second game on national television would have been awesome. But they did the right thing by at least postponing it. The, the last opportunity they'll have to play it, or the next one, I think, maybe the only is at the end of November. The hope is that both BYU and Army will still be doing well enough that they'll both be ranked at that time. And if that's the case, then Army will want to reschedule. And so will BYU and play that game at the end of November because that would put both teams in a position to be able to have a late win over a ranked opponent. So uh, this game I don't think is over yet, but it's disappointing that we're not going to get to see it this week. It's really hard because BYU jumps into the rankings, so do Army, in these adjusted top 25 rankings of the teams that are playing. And the opportunity was there, like you said. It's two ranked teams, and it's not just that. It's national TV on CBS. Who knows how good these teams will be later, but both are at least perceived to be good right now. This is a blown opportunity. So what do you see BYU being able to do, I guess, in terms of trying to make this up? If they can't make that game up, how does BYU make up for the inability to play Army if they cannot later? Uh, Jeremy, it's got to be something to the effect of what happened with Houston and Baylor this week. I mean, both Baylor and Houston had their upcoming opponents have to cancel because of COVID. So they said, hey, we're right up the road. Let's schedule each other. And six days before kickoff, they went ahead and put together a college football game. And that's the kind of thing that will need to happen. Complication for BYU is that they can't drive up the road to any place. They've got to fly to where they've got to go. And the Power of Five conferences that are still playing are either not playing non-conference, and so it's unlikely that they would make up a miss, like in the SEC, a missed conference game with a non-conference opponent, although it's possible, or they're only playing one non-conference opponent. But in the group of five, there are still possibilities. Take a look at what the Sun Belt did last week. Three Sun Belt teams spanked and defeated favored Big 12 teams, right? So the Sun Belt is out there, and maybe if the Sun Belt or the American loses games, over the course of the season, BYU might be an, uh, an opponent to make up that game and to get something on TV. So it is possible that as the season goes on, COVID took away this Army game or at least postponed it. It might give back to BYU another game. And it could be a game against a highly ranked team because both the Sun Belt and the American have a bunch of ranked teams right now. It's pretty interesting. And you look at what the Sun Belt did. They beat three Big 12 teams, like you said, over the weekend. BYU has two Sunbelt teams on the schedule, including Troy and Texas State, so that should be interesting. What did you think of BYU jumping into the top 25? Deserved after the Navy uh, win? 
Absolutely. I mean, everybody's talking about BYU and how physical they were. I mean, jaded college football analysts and play-by-play guys have reached out to me and told me how impressed they were with the way BYU played. I mean, old school smash mouth football. And that was against a good Navy team. And I, I think it's fair to bring up that Navy didn't hit a lot during their preparation leading up to that season opener. But it's unfair to say that that's why the game turned out the way it did. I think that may have put Navy a bit behind the eight ball, but BYU just smashed them in the mouth. And that's a Navy team that has been expected and is still expected, in my opinion, to contend for the American Conference title. So BYU in doing that just was impressive to people that aren't easily impressed. And even if Navy had fully contacted and practiced and tackled, that would not have made a 52-point difference, let's be honest. And I was excited, Trevor, about the matchup with Army because I thought BYU played Navy as well as anyone's ever played them in defending the option, and I thought BYU was going to win that game and perhaps win it sizably and then go into Troy with a lot of momentum. But here we are. So let's look at BYU season as a whole. Seven games on the schedule currently. They're trying to reschedule Army. In order for BYU to pursue, quote, a special season, do they need to add more games? Because I feel like they do, because obviously quality is an issue with the schedule. But quantity, if you have fewer games than everyone else, that's going to be against BYU in a conversation late in the season. Yeah, I don't think it'll hurt them when it comes to bowl games, unless they drop below maybe six. But when it comes to the potential for what would make this a special season externally, which would be get into a a New Year's Six bowl game they would need to schedule some more teams. They would need to schedule somebody who's ranked. They'd have to have a victory over a team that ends the season ranked, hopefully, and they'd have to have more than seven games. And that is on the table. All of those things could happen. BYU, I think we don't want to crown them national champions just yet. There's some things they need to work on. But it's so promising and encouraging right now that this team, especially with the Pac-12 and the Big Ten not playing, at least not as of yet, this team could get into a New Year's Six Bowl. In order to do so, though, again, they'd have to they'd have to make up that Army game, either against Army or somebody else, and hopefully add another game or two. And then they'd have to sweep it. But if they did that, that's the definition of a special season. Externally, internally, I think that they don't have to go to a New Year's Six Bowl in order to be seen as having a special season. Internally, I think this team has already done a lot of great things just to get to this point just to start the opener the way it's been, just to show what they're capable of. And now all they can do is attack each week that is in front of them. And they should not be judged for how the weeks in front of them play out, except for how they play on the field. Talking with former Cougar, national champion, NFL player, and ESPN's Trevor Maddich. Trevor, I noticed you went with the uh, Johnny Cash look. I know you're in Nashville, so that would be appropriate, right? Yes, sir. That's exactly right. You know, and as long as, you know, I... Johnny Cash or Jerry Glanville. Keep in mind that <laughs> nice. Jerry Glanville, coach of the, yeah, he always left tickets for Atlanta Falcons games for Elvis in case he left. Now, I think Elvis would want to bring Jim Morrison with him because, you know, obviously he's hanging out with Jim somewhere. Bring him but, all. Uh, yeah, bring Chris I, Farley. Bring him I, all. I, I, yeah, it's uh, slimming. <laughs> you look great. BYU has, as we mentioned, seven games on the schedule now, hoping for eight with Army. They only play one game in November. Tom Homo did tweet that. BYU could be in a position to be a team that helps get a rescheduled game from a team that couldn't make it up, but BYU is available. Do you expect BYU to have more than one game in November? I do. I do because there's so much 
that we can't really anticipate right now, but we can see what's happened recently to kind of figure that there are possibilities. Go back to the first week of the Major League Baseball season where the Miami Marlins were, they, they were decimated by COVID in their clubhouse. Their opener was against the Philadelphia Phillies. Well, the, the next opponents to the Marlins and the Phillies were the Yankees and the Orioles. Marlins and the Phillies had to step out for that next week. So the Yankees and the Orioles said, hey, well, then let's just play each other. That's what happened in college football with Houston and Baylor. And those kinds of things can pop up for BYU. Keep in mind that right now already, conferences are planning for some of their teams not being able to finish the season. The ACC has already announced that if eight teams are still playing, they will continue to play as a conference. Well, there's 15 teams, including Notre Dame, in the ACC, and they're already anticipating that as many as seven of those might have to eventually drop the season. But if eight still go, they're going to be okay. And because of that, you don't just lose teams in a conference. You lose scheduled games. And those scheduled games can be made up by scheduling BYU in November. Talking to Trevor Manich of ESPN. Trevor, uh, I want to ask you about Cougars in the NFL in a moment, but uh, what did you think of week two where we had some Power 5 teams come in? We saw Clemson, Oklahoma, Notre Dame play. What stuck out? What stuck out was how unexpected everything was. I mean, the biggest unexpected thing for a lot of people was Louisiana of the Sun Belt going up and spanking ranked Iowa State of the Big 12 at Iowa State. That was a big deal. But when you looked at the way they played, there were a lot of similarities to the BYU-Navy game. BYU was better prepared to play that over the Navy, and so was Louisiana to Iowa State. And you could see that especially on special teams where there were two returns for a touchdown. One was a punt return for a touchdown by Louisiana. And what happened was the Iowa State cover guys all kind of got behind each other all in a column. And you're not supposed to do that. You're supposed to spread out into lanes. But early in the season, you get buck fever and all you see is the returner. You don't see your teammate right in front of you that you're not supposed to be following down the field. And so you're just running down, trying to make that tackle. You're all fired up. And the next thing you know, four guys are in one lane. Nobody's in that lane. It's the touchdown. Well, a lot of that happened in different ways over the course of the opener, North Carolina, which I think is going to have one of the most explosive passing offenses in the nation. Didn't pass the ball very well in the opener against Syracuse. A lot of things happened that we weren't sure about. Some things happened that we would think. Spencer Rattler is the new starting quarterback at Oklahoma. Now, they just played Missouri State, no disrespect, but the ball came out of his hands like he's an NFL quarterback. I mean, there's a lot of reason for optimism at Oklahoma about Spencer Rattler. Texas, with Sam Ellinger at quarterback, came back for his senior season. I don't trust any quarterback in all of college football more that I trust Ellinger to lead his team and to carry them on his back on the field. So there were some things that happened that were unexpected that we couldn't anticipate, but some of the things, especially with some of the best players, happened like we thought, and it'll be interesting to see them go forward. It was a fun day. I watched a lot of college football and the NFL, which brings me to this, and let's finish with this. Cougars in the NFL, eight guys in action for BYU, Thursday with Daniel Sorensen, seven yesterday. Who had the best performance in your opinion? You know, there's two guys that stood out to me for reasons that may be different from the stat sheet. One of them is Fred Warner. He was named team captain of the 49ers. This team was in the Super Bowl last year. They'll be a Super Bowl contender for years to come. And, and they chose Fred Warner of BYU to be one of their team captains, team leaders. I think that says a lot about Fred, says a lot about the character of the kind of guys that BYU recruits and develops. And the other one is Taysom Hill. 
The Saints beat uh, Tom Brady's Buccaneers, and Taysom had a really fun Taysom day. He threw a pass for 38 yards. He caught a pass for 14 yards. He had three carries on the ground. He had a lot of fun. But every time the camera was on him, Taysom had this massive smile on his face. He's got this childlike joy of playing the game and of being around his teammates. And at a time when there is so much acrimony surrounding sports because of things that have nothing to do with what actually happens on the field during the game, it's so refreshing to see a guy like Taysom Hill that is having such joy in what happens on the field in the game. He's got that new dad strength as well, which is awesome. Some people call you Jerry Glanville, like you said. Others call you Johnny Cash. I call you team manager. Mm. Trevor, thanks for the time. Thank you, John. Trevor Maddich in the ring of fire on the Deseret First Credit <laughs> Union hotline. Deseret First, you know why. We show how. When we were in Nashville last summer for a fan fest, which was very fun, by the way. That was a great weekend. Nashville was awesome to hang out in. We went to a Johnny Cash museum just off uh, Broadway Street, and it was really, really fun. It was great. And saw 17 bachelorette parties driving by uh, while we were waiting in to, to get well, into the Well, that's why Cash we had museum. the birds. The uh, scooters were flying by those. <laughs> that was one of our favorite interviews this week. You're listening to the best of BYU Sports Nation. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. During football season, we review how BYU scheduled opponents are faring in their games. We call it Tracking Cougar Opponents, presented by BYU Food to Go, the MVP of your next event. Be like a cougar growl there would just really play into that pun, I think. Oh, yeah, that's great. It's another okay. cougar first down. Tracking Cougar Opponents. We begin, obviously, with Navy. Coming off of a bye week. Well, they had a bye week the week before as well. Jerem, they'll have two weeks now to remember how to tackle, to remember how to be physical. Remember? And remember what live football is how about, like. How about actually doing it? The Naval Academy plays Tulane in conference play this Saturday. Beat the Green Wave. Army, now 2-0. They beat Louisiana Monroe 37-7. Army's outscored their first two opponents, Middle Tennessee State and Louisiana Monroe. 79-7. They're 22 in the AP poll. They're not playing Brigham because covid they're still on the schedule until they tell us that they're absolutely not, right? I would say they're not on the schedule until they're rescheduled. <laughs> There's no date right now. So should they be in tracking Cougar opponents? <laughs> good question. Good Troy, question. come on, Troy. BYU's home opening opponent on September 26th, the next BYU opponent now. The Troy Trojans open up Saturday at Middle Tennessee Zero. State. Expect uh, the Trojans to win that game because Middle Tennessee is no bueno. Yeah. UTSA, that's Texas San Antonio for those scoring at home. Me, me. Beat fellow future opponent Texas State. 51-48. Double OT. This is a crazy game. Uh, Roadrunners QB Frank Harris threw for a touchdown rush for three. UTSA faces Stephen F. Austin. A, just a single man this week. The Roadrunners are about to be 2-0. May, maybe they're the team that's ranked when they come to Provo. Oh, my gosh. If UTSA is ranked. That tells you everything you need to know about the top 25. You mentioned Texas State, the Bobcats, losing to the Roadrunners. They fall to 0-2 and travel to Louisiana Monroe this week. Granted, Texas State played pretty well against SMU and then had that yeah, they held their own. epic double yeah. overtime loss to UTSA. Yeah, the I-35 rivalry. They can, yep, everyone knows that one. Uh, they can score, but they can't uh, defend. Houston, after seeing the first two games against Rice and at Memphis postponed, 
Houston looks to open this week at Baylor. Now, we talked about how that was rescheduled Saturday for next Saturday, this Saturday. So that's that's pretty gnarly. We need Houston to be yes, good. Yes, you, you need to root for the Cougars. You need we to root did, for the everyone Cougars. Everyone does here. In a week that BYU is not playing, like, send your fandom to the Houston Cougars to beat Baylor because this, is to, this to me is like the next and real opportunity that BYU would have to make a statement win. BYU needs more games, good games, than just Houston. And even then, we're assuming they'll be better. They were 4-8 last year. They lost Garrett King. They have a bunch of Power 5 transfers that redshirted and are going to be able to play. They've had two games canceled. Jeez. At least BYU's ahead in the uh, COVID cancellation game. How about Western Kentucky? They lead the Group of 5 Anxiety Index for me. But they lose to Louisville yep. 35-21 in their season opener. Is Louisville ranked? In the AP Top 25? I need to look at that. I'm just going to say, yeah, they're a Power 5 that's playing that right. is respectable. Western Kentucky will host Liberty Saturday, and Liberty did not schedule BYU, so I'm all in on the Hilltoppers. Beat Liberty! Let's go, yeah. WKU! Louisville is ranked. They're 18th. Okay, so uh, Louisville's ranked 18th. Well, Louisiana's 19th, so uh, take Western that. Kentucky with the respectable season opening loss to number yes. 18 Louisville. And Alabama. Won't play its first game until facing Liberty on October 3rd. They're an FCS team. They're playing a handful of money games, essentially. That takes care of tracking Cougar opponents. Do you feel differently about any of these opponents after going through those? No, not really. Texas State has kind of hung better than I thought they would. I thought that would be a complete pushover, and I think that BYU would still win that game sizably. But uh, they've done a nice job just to – like SMU is a good team, Uh, at least was last year. We'll see this year, but – uh, yeah, it, it is what it is. BYU put together as many games as they could get. The quality was sacrificed for quantity to a great degree, right? BYU put Houston on the road to be a good partner. BYU is that. Just see the Notre Dame series or lack thereof to know that BYU is going to be patient with a lot of people in scheduling because BYU needs something, so they will give something in scheduling. But if, if BYU's really good, I, I thought about this over the weekend. If BYU's awesome this year, they just dominate and they don't get a shot at a New Year's Six, we're going to feel like this is 96 or 01 again, where, oh, BYU's really good. They deserve a chance in a big game. But it's like, shoot, the schedule wasn't good enough to merit that according to other people. I happen to agree this year on that case. 96, it was like, hey, they should have had a chance. They were 13-1 and at the time. Come on. They were ranked fifth. Number five. Yeah. If you're going to rank them five, why not put it in a, and, uh, in a there were- good bowl? Uh, no COVID cancellations in the 1996 right. season. And, Every and like, team was still playing. Oh, one BYU didn't play enough good teams. They just the schedule didn't shake out. All, and BYU was one of the first kind of BCS busters. Marshall uh, was was one as well. Who was who was the other one around that? Tulane uh, went undefeated before BYU in '98 and '99. So I, I don't want to get to the end of the season and go, oh, geez, we missed a chance. Like, but we're playing. Uh, BYU got a schedule after 10 games were canceled. I mean, there's there's value to that. But I don't want this to feel like 96 or 01 if, if this BYU team is as good as we saw they can be against Navy. I can't wait for Troy to win by four touchdowns and freak a few BYU against fans up. Oh, man, Troy's legit. They're coming <laughs> to Provo. Oh, no. The Sun Belt, look out. <laughs> we never would have said that in a moment. The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. Get caught up in the week in Cougar Sports. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. 
Yesterday, I had the opportunity to speak with BYU center James Empey following practice, and you better believe I challenged him on all these poisonous comments coming from the media, including us, and uh, just to see if he would take the bait. Here's my one-on-one BYU football all-access on Zoom via the Deseret First Credit Union hotline. All right, James, uh, typically I would begin with a question about the schedule, but your mustache is now pushing me in another direction. So let's start there. Um, that's healthy. That's healthy. How long, how much growth, how long have you been growing that thing? Okay. So I've ever since like Corona happened earlier this year, I grew, I grew a beard while we were in quarantine and then I shaved the beard, but kept the stash. So it's been there for a while, but I've I've been trimming it. But right now, I'm just kind of seeing if it can get a little bit longer, a little bit bushier. We'll see. I don't know. Okay. And Working more on importantly, it. how does your lovely wife feel about all of this? She tolerates it. <laughs> <laughs> she tolerates it. She uh, it, if if you ask her, she'll she'll probably make a, a funny face or something. But uh, she <laughs> she lets me do it for now. I mean, we'll see. We'll see Tolerate how much longer is, she can take it. Yeah. Tolerates the right verb, my friend. Good stuff. Okay, now to the football. Uh, BYU's ranked in the AP poll for the first time in a couple of years. You just had to postpone the Army game and then added the Louisiana Tech game early on Monday. How would you explain the emotions that you felt over the past 72 hours? And I'll tell you what, 2020 is a roller coaster, man, and and we're just we're rolling with the, the punches and, and trying to do our best to, to control what we can control and um, you know, be in the moment. And, and right now we have, you know, the, 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 AD, the AD, he's doing a great job at scheduling us games and, and uh, everybody's doing a great job at, you know, with, with our best interest in mind, keeping us healthy and safe and, you know, trying to, to, to be responsible moving forward and just everything going on right now. We're, we're grateful that we get to play and we're grateful, you know, everything's going on. We're excited to prepare for Troy and, and uh, we're, you know, hopeful that the army game gets rescheduled and, you know, we're just trying to look at everything with a, a positive mindset and, and keep moving forward and, you know, taking things as they come. James Empey with us on BYU Sports Nation. What was the reaction from the team collectively, at least in your observations, when you found out that there would be no trip to West Point, New York? I mean, the the initial um, reaction for everybody is probably just to be a little bit bummed, you know, just kind of because we were, we were looking forward to that game. And, and like I said, we're hopeful it's going to get rescheduled. So it was kind of a bummer at first, but then, you know, we, we, we get to play football still and, and we still have games on the schedule and we're still adding games. And so, you know, initially um, kind of a bum reaction, but then everybody's just excited to, to keep moving on and keep preparing because, you know, we get to play and, and there's a lot of people that don't get to play and we realize that. And so we're, we're just grateful that, that we get to keep going. What will practice be like with uh, the low number of COVID positive tests within the team and then the, uh, the exposure to other people? So how is practice going to work over the next week or so? You know, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not so sure yet. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm interested to find out as well. I know, you know, everybody's working real hard to, to come up with a, a plan and a schedule that's going to, you know, help us keep getting better with, with uh, everything going on right now. And, and I know that that will be successful in doing so. I, everybody – you know, we got a lot of people in our corner, a lot of people working hard to, to figure it out, and, and I think they're going to do a great job. So I'm, I'm as interested as you are in, in figuring that out. So, No, and I appreciate the, the clarity in that answer. Um, if you can, walk the fan base through 
what it's like as a player right now with all of the COVID precautions that you are going through in an effort to keep everyone healthy. What, what is your typical day like in that regard? Um, well, I mean, just kind of waking up and, and getting the, the classes done, whether they are online or whether you have to go up on campus and um, just making sure you get that done right now. Uh, most, I think everybody's going to be trying to do everything online right now. Um, and just, you know, trying to stay on top of that, trying to, you know, get some, some film work in before practice starts and then getting ready to go lift, always having your mask on, uh, testing three times a week and, um, any practice and you got your little face shield on and you got a mask on and you're, you know, out of practice trying to get better at football. And then, uh, once practice is over, you got to have your mask on and, you know, you got to make sure you're not in, in, in big groups and you have plenty of space and, there's not a lot of like lounging time. It's, you know, everything has a purpose and you're trying to, you know, stay as clean and healthy as possible. And, you know, it's just a process. And I know everybody in the country is kind of going through their own little process of, of staying clean and staying safe. And, and uh, we have our process too. And I think, you know, every day we're getting a little bit better at it and we're, you know, following the guidelines uh, as best we can. BYU center James Empey with us on BYU sports nation. Do you feel like this is a wake-up call of sorts uh, and, and a reminder that uh, this thing is, is still out there? Yeah, I mean, I, going into the season, we, we knew something like – we knew this stuff was going to happen, and we're not the first game to get, you know, rescheduled. Uh, and, and we just, we just got to be able to, to roll with the punches and, and, and keep things going from, from a week-to-week basis, you know what I mean? And so – um, no, knowing this was going to happen sometime, somewhere, you know, and now it's happening. We just got to be ready for it and be ready to move on and, and keep things rolling. And I know our guys are doing a good job and, and they, they know, um, we all know, you know, kind of what we need to do and, and, and how we need to act both on campus and off to, to be safe. And, and I think our guys are doing a great job of that. And we just got to keep, keep getting better and keep moving on. Okay, now on to the good news. As we mentioned uh, closer to the beginning of the interview, Louisiana Tech is added back to the home schedule, so you've got a full home slate now. Six games at LaBelle Edwards Stadium in Provo. Uh, the Bulldogs come in Friday night, October 2nd, over conference weekend. What do you think of a first-ever matchup against a team that won 10 games a year ago? Oh, I, I think it would be fun. We know they're a great team, and and uh, they they do a really good job and, and play really hard and physical, and – you know, we're excited for that. I think everybody's more excited for, for Troy this, this next week though. So we gotta, we gotta take care of first things first, but we're just, we're grateful that Tom is, you know, working so hard on our schedule and getting us games to play and everybody in our corner trying to help us play. And we're just, we're, we're grateful for the, for the opportunity. BYU has a number 21 in front of it, that national ranking from the AP poll after one game, what does a national ranking mean to you? It's poison, not drinking it. (laughs) <laughs> you are well coached by Eric Mateos you know that <laughs> that's good stuff okay uh let's let's discuss some more poison then because the folks at pro football focus they sure like the BYU offensive line and and how things graded out against Navy um does is that validating at all or are you do you worry just more about what your coaches say it's poison <laughs> <laughs> no, we 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 know you're you're only as good as your next play. You know what I mean? You're only as good as your your next opportunity to play football. You're only as good as your next snap. You're only as good as as all that stuff. So, I mean, it, it's all good and great, but it's you know behind us now, and and we just we want to be able to 
to play even better against Troy. Uh, speaking of Coach Mateos and that uh, avoid the poison mentality, well, he, he did have a bit of good personal news. He got engaged, man. What, what has his personality, has he been nicer <laughs> at practice? <laughs> he's, he's the same coach Mateos. He's, he's the same guy, but we were, we were all stoked for him. We, you know, when everybody heard about it, saw it on social media, we, we, uh, we, we were pumped for him and, and pumped him up a little bit. We were, we were excited for him and, uh, and, you know, he, he deserves it. So. Very good. James, before we let you and that amazing mustache go, I need to ask you about uh, your two sisters, both playing goalkeeper as freshmen for BYU women's soccer right now. They obviously don't have a fall season, but they were able to play in the blue-white scrimmage on Saturday night. Uh, they're great athletes. Who's the best athlete in your family right now? Um, let's see. I uh, shouldn't be biased. Uh, uh, probably my mom. <laughs> oh good answer man wow wow you're a veteran you know that you're straight up just just a classic veteran player right there um congratulations on uh, a great opening performance against navy again obviously a bummer about army but uh we too are excited about your next opportunity against troy let's give you some karma for that extend the karma to the team to stay healthy and we'll talk to you again soon man oh good thanks spence James Empey on the Deseret First Credit Union hotline. Deseret First, you know why we show how. He was not falling for any of your tricks, Spencer. Poison. Uh, it's poison. <laughs> Good stuff. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. The best of BYU Sports Nation collects our favorite conversations and brings them to you every Saturday. Hey, we had a great opportunity to uh, not only watch Hot Rod the other day, but uh, BYU Sports Nation spoke with Stuart Mandel, editor-in-chief for the Athletics College Football Coverage and co-host of the Audible podcast. He joined us yesterday on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Here's that full conversation. Stuart, first of all, congratulations on a million subscribers to The Athletic, and you hit that mark during a pandemic, no less. That's amazing. Thank you so much. Yeah, that was a big milestone last week and really, really surreal. Um, I joined the company when there were, you know, less than 20 employees and maybe 20,000 subscribers a few years ago. So to talk about a million is insane. And like you said, people stuck with The Athletic during a, about a four-month stretch where there were no sports, you know, no major sports. We were, we had just about run out of lists of greatest player to wear every jersey number and <laughs> Uh, at one point, I wrote a, 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 a Friday Night Lights story. Like we we were we were desperate. I'm not going to lie. So, for pretty cool to to reach this point. Fantastic stuff. And now you have plenty to write about because the Big Ten's coming back to play college football, which I think takes it to 90 or 91 college football teams, and uh, leaving the Pac-12 as the only Power Five conference not playing. How would you explain the last 24 hours of your life writing for the Athletic? <laughs> Well, I mean, going back further than that, because every day for about a week, it's been they're going to vote today. They're going to vote tomorrow. It's going to it's going to happen in the morning. Uh, a lot of a lot of false starts. But uh, now that it's here, um, I mean, me personally, just as a college football fan, I'm, I'm excited because I felt like this would this season would feel very incomplete if they weren't a part of it. And that's uh, not to I don't want to diminish the Pac-12, but obviously it's a different story when it's Ohio state, Michigan, Penn state, Nebraska, some of the 
you know, the biggest fan bases in the country, if they don't have a stake in the game, then I don't think there's as much interest as there would normally be in the 330 uh, SEC game on CBS. So uh, it looks like they've come up with a plan that squeezes in just enough games to at least be in consideration for the playoff. And who knows how many games the other conferences are actually going to get in, given how many games have been postponed already just through three weeks of the season. There's a lot to unpack with that, so let's start to do it. Do you feel like the Big Ten affects the other leagues, uh, namely the Pac-12, as you mentioned, the MAC, the Mountain West, who aren't playing? Do you feel like this is a domino that tips them in that direction if they can play as well? We've seen statements already from the MAC and the Mountain West. It doesn't sound like they're in a position to, to pick it back up anytime soon. Obviously, this puts a lot of pressure on the Pac-12. Um, they're at risk of just being left completely behind. The problem there is it's not in their control. Um, they were the ones, before the Big Ten did it, they were the first ones to announce the big partnership with a company to do the daily rapid response testing. That It was clear to me from the comments on the Big Ten press conference that that was the key uh, turning point. But even if they wanted to start training camp tomorrow, the schools in California and Oregon uh, are prohibited due to ordinances either in the state or in their counties. You know, you saw on Tuesday, for the first time really, Pac-12 players going public and starting a campaign directed to the governors of those states. Of course, those are the same governors who are dealing with, you know, just destructive and devastating wildfires right now. They've got a lot more in their hands than helping the Pac-12 open training camp. So I don't think it's realistic that the Pac-12 is going to play football as early as the Big Ten is now playing, now intending to do. It might not be till Thanksgiving. It might not be till January. We'll have to see. Stuart Mandel, editor-in-chief of the Athletics College Football Coverage, is with us on BYU Sports Nation. Just because we're thinking from a BYU perspective, go figure, we say, okay, 14 high-quality programs are coming back into college football. BYU is ranked number 21 right now. How is this going to impact BYU's potential ranking and status in the national spotlight moving forward? Uh, is BYU a top 25 team if the Big Ten is playing now? Well, the good news is BYU is going to have a huge head start. <laughs> uh, this is the weirdest season any of us will have ever lived through. And I don't know like how the AP poll, you know, when, if you come October 20th, so Big Ten's coming back October 23rd, 24th. At that point, there will be teams that have played five, six games already. And if Ohio State is one and zero, do they? You just automatically slot them in above uh, four and one Auburn. I have no idea. Uh, but BYU gets a head start. They could be. I don't. I don't have the schedule in front of me, but something in O by then. The problem, of course, is these are not, for the most part, high quality opponents. They're going to be playing this season. I think if they're undefeated, pollsters have always loved undefeated. It's hard to say no to undefeated. I think they stay in the rankings as long as they're undefeated. I think that um, once they lose a game, if they lose a game, then it's going to be harder to get back in there given the teams that they're playing. Yeah, it's going to be weird with uh, – there's not everyone will have that same – like everyone played 12 and or and or 13 if you played at Hawaii. They're not in it this year, right? It's going to be weird. There's going to be at the end of the regular season – uh, you know, the Big Ten's still going. We're waiting for them to finish. Yeah, it's, it's going to be odd. But when you look at BYU's schedule, and like you mentioned, Tom Homo got what he could. We expect more games to be added. They added Louisiana Tech two days ago, for goodness sake. And BYU has one game scheduled in November. If BYU's undefeated, they are independent, so they have no Group 5 access. Do you feel like they'd be a New Year's Six contender? 
Um, I think it, first of all, I just want to give credit to Tom Holmo. I mean, it's, a, it's remarkable that he's been able to rebuild a schedule from, from what it got to. And he's given me hope that college football as a whole will stop scheduling games 10 years in advance. <laughs> I mean, it's been a pet peeve of mine for years. And I mean, they're not the only ones. Other schools have had to do this too, but BYU is probably the best example of showing that, you know what, you can schedule a game on two weeks notice if you need to. Um, the New Year's Six question is tough because like you said, they're not, they don't qualify for that automatic group of five berth. So that means how you probably have to finish in the top 10 to be high enough to be an at-large team for the New Year's Six. Would that, would, would an undefeated BYU team that played mostly pretty inferior opponents get that kind of nod? I will say this, I think I would have been more confident of it if the Big Ten wasn't playing uh, just due to lack of other options now that they are. I think that's going to be tough because you're going to have you you will probably and most likely have at least 10 power five teams, maybe an AAC undefeated team that have good enough records and have several top 25 wins. That's going to be harder to justify uh, BYU playing the schedule they have. But like I said earlier, people love undefeated teams. Uh, The playoff every year, in the initial rankings, oh, they put a one-loss team ahead of an undefeated team. Look at that! They never do that at the at the end of the season. So, uh, yes, that would be it. Would be a fascinating thing to see how they would handle that. And then when you look at the bowl games, we've heard nothing regarding bowl games. There is no bowl schedule, right? At some point, they've got to figure out one what they're doing and two say it out loud. So we're thinking, okay, if BYU is undefeated but doesn't get into a New Year's Six, which frankly would be understandable with the Big Ten's addition now. Could they be in a better bowl game than they would have been? The answer you'd think is yes, but we have no clue what's going on with bowls right now. Well, I think it depends on how many bowl games are going to be played because, um, first of all, the the bowl association has been pushing hard for them to basically just say everybody that plays is eligible regardless of the record because they, as of the other day, and now this won't be true once the Big Ten comes back, there were more bowl berths than teams playing. <laughs> a few of you play so, in two. <laughs> right, exactly. So if they want to, if all the bowls want to have a game this year, they would need to be able to take any team they want. Um, as it is, because they're all tied into certain conference. I mean, the big winners with this Big Ten announcement are the Citrus Bowl and the Outback Bowl, who, who it, now they have both conferences back. But if you're the Holiday Bowl, uh, which has a Pac-12 team in it, if you're the Sun Bowl that has a Pac-12 team in it, are you going to play this on your usual date and just fill it in with somebody else as if you are, I mean, BYU has a history in the holiday bowl. There's, there's your spot right there. Uh, or are they going to say, we're going to wait on the PAC 12 and we'll play a game in March or whenever that might be. I don't know. So the entire, I've talked to people about this. The entire bowl schedule has not been made yet beyond the new year six. And we might not, they might not fully figure it out until two weeks before selection Sunday for all we know. Stuart Mandel of The Athletic is with us on BYU Sports Nation. Because BYU loses the Army game this week and the national spotlight on CBS, how much does that affect how people across the country will view BYU? Because they did obviously dominate Navy on ESPN Monday night. Well, the key part there that you mentioned, I mean, what an amazing opportunity that was going to be to have what is usually the SEC's 3.30 Eastern CBS spot, who regardless of who they were playing, that would be a big audience for BYU. So missing that opportunity, even if they do get to play Army at some point later in the season, I assume it won't be 
in a window like that. Um, I, I, I don't know. I mean, that, that's a missed opportunity there. Um, I guess the best team, hope, possibly the best team they'll play down the stretch here is Houston. Um, do we know when, who's showing that game when yet? Probably yeah, hasn't been announced. ESPN 2 on Friday, October 16th. There you go. That's a good slot. That's an opportunity to, to, for the country to watch BYU. The problem is if they're playing at you know, 3 o'clock on a Saturday opposite the LSU-Auburn game, right? Nobody's going to see that. So um, I think the more of those kind of games, the more of those windows they can get, the better. A lot of people did watch that Navy game uh, and, and obviously had to come away impressed. I did I did seem like a, a lot of people's takeaway from that was more about how bad Navy looked and that they <laughs> They admitted that they never practiced tackling. Uh, so yeah, it would be good to see. It would be good to see BYU beat a respectable team that did practice tackling. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited for BYU to own that 10:21 Eastern time slot against teams that tackle. Um, when you look at when you look at the national uh, landscape of things, uh, who's who are your favorites to win? Is it the obvious Clemson, Alabama, Ohio State, or is there someone on the outside that's piquing your interest there? Uh, I think that, yeah, you mentioned the three. I think those are the three clear favorites. If you remember, the the way last season ended, there were three teams, LSU, Clemson, and Ohio State, that were clearly above all the others. I think that on paper, that's the case with those three teams. LSU lost so many guys, I can't put them in that category. But this is going to be a season where, who knows, it could be the week of the Alabama-LSU game, uh, uh, Jalen Waddle and Najee Harris have to be quarantined, right? Uh, there's going to be some crazy upsets this year just because of players not being available at a certain time. So if that happens, if that affects the Clemsons and Ohio States, that opens the door for maybe a Florida, uh, you know, a, a, a next team up kind of team, a Texas, Texas A&M. Um, you know, even within the Big Ten, I think even, even uh, I mean, Penn State, lost their best defensive player and I don't think he's coming back. So that hurts. Uh, but there are certainly other teams in that conference that could, you know, Ohio state, so much of the pressure has been from them has been about, we have a team we think can contend for the national title. We need you need the season to start as soon as possible. What if they end up losing three games and, and Wisconsin is your, your big 10 champ. So a lot of possibilities there. Stuart, I think we missed on something, and that is the complaining parents that got it done for the Big Ten. Should they be given a, a serious stake of credit in all of this? I, I I don't want to diminish anybody that, you know, whether it was them, whether it was Ryan Day going nuclear or Nebraska, <laughs> any of those um, um, components. Obviously, Donald Trump is taking some credit here, doing a bit of a victory lap on, on uh, Wednesday. But at the end of the day, if you listen to the comments on their press conference, if you read the documents, it's pretty clear to me this day does not happen if not for daily testing becoming available. And somebody might say, oh, baloney, they just don't want to be left behind the SEC and the other conferences. If that were the only factor, they could have announced this weeks ago. They could have said three weeks ago, you're right, we messed up, we're going to play. Uh, even the start date, which is a little bit later than, than people were hoping for, is because they wanted to be absolutely sure they could reach the same kind of deal that the Pac-12 did for this daily antigen testing that is going to be just a, a different ball, uh, a different thing entirely than what the other conferences playing right now are doing. It theoretically could keep you from having any outbreaks. If a guy tests positive or two guys test positive, you'll know that immediately before they can infect their teammates. So 
that was to me the crucial detail. And I don't, you know, when that became realistic, I don't know. I know when the PAC 12 announced their deal, they said it ended up happening two months earlier than they thought it would. So uh, clearly that was a, to me, the driving factor. He is a wealth of college football knowledge. Uh, Stuart, I enjoy your mailbag questions. In fact, you answered one about BYU. Should they hang a banner if they go undefeated? And you said, yes, we're, we're all for it. Um, but uh, our viewers and listeners are interested in uh, reading more of your stuff and your colleagues' stuff. So where can they go to get it, and uh, how, how can they find it? Well, if you go to theathletic.com uh, and, and, and click on the college football section, you're going to see – all kinds of great coverage. And if you click on any article right now in celebration of a million subscribers, you can subscribe for a dollar a month Whoa. for your initial subscription, which to me is like a no brainer, you know, a dollar, we can all handle a dollar, right? So uh, it's a good way for people to try it out. And uh, we feel strongly that we have the most comprehensive college football coverage anywhere. We have, in addition to our national staff, we have team writers for about 25 teams right now. So um, you're not going to, you're not going to get that kind of, and, and you get NBA, you get baseball, you get everything else. So try it out dollar a month right now. Great stuff. Let's make it 2 million subscribers. Stuart, uh, great to talk to you. We appreciate the time and look forward to reading more of your stuff. Thank you guys. Stuart Mandel on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Deseret First, you know why we show how. Again, that was taped yesterday and with the age of uh, social media and how quickly things change. Brett McMurphy reports late last night the Mountain West Conference is all of a sudden wanting to play an eight-game schedule. Aggressively looking into it is, a, is the words he used. And Stewart tweeted immediately following that, it's incredible uh, now that the Big Ten is playing how quickly these other conferences are figuring out issues that have been in place for months. Yeah, they immediately find the answer. Crazy how that happens. The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. All right, Jaron, with no BYU Army game and no CBS National Window, we're trying to make the most out of this scenario, and we're going to still pull off some prop picks based on Cougars in the NFL, but we need another voice to come in and join us. Ben Bagley, you have some free time right now? Okay, I can't hear Ben. Apparently he doesn't. (laughs) I wanted Ben in on this, and I tried, so we'll make note of it. All right, Jerem, then I will start, and I present this question. You lead three to two over uh, myself and Jason, so you will pick first. More yards this weekend in the NFL, Taysom Hill of the New Orleans Saints or Jamal Williams of the Green Bay Packers? I go Taysom Hill. I think he had uh, more last week by 20-something yards. So I'm going to go Taysom. I think he gets more involved in the offense than Jamal does. Although Jamal catches a lot of passes. So I am going to take Jamal Williams, which I I agree, I think is an aggressive pick. Uh, Taysom Hill is probably the smart play here. But if I'm going to get back in this contest early, because we're all of one week into this, I'm going to go with Jamal Williams. I do expect it to be a high-scoring game between Green Bay and Detroit because neither of those defenses is great. Uh, so exp- I think Jamal Williams is going to do some things against the Detroit Lions. And for the okay, record... Number two, more tackles. Oh, sorry, I was going to say Taysom Hill was Jason's pick, but we probably don't need to mention that, do we? <laughs> okay, number two, more tackles. Kyle Van Oy or Fred Warner? I like Fred Warner. The Arizona Cardinals ran a ton 
against the San Francisco 49ers. I think that the 49ers are going to be on high alert, and uh, Fred Warner is going to mean business. So I'm going with Fred Warner. Fred, nine tackles uh, last week. He's going to have at least nine against the Jets. Michael Davis and the Los Angeles Chargers of San Diego. Do you think they'll keep it within five points, the line of Daniel Sorensen and the Chiefs, or will Kansas City win by six-plus? No, this is easy. Chiefs six-plus. That offense is way too good. Yeah, I'm taking the Chiefs by at least a touchdown. And not surprisingly, Jason picked the Chargers. No, I'm kidding. He picked the Chiefs. (laughs) (laughs) More points scored by your Bengals 30 last night or given up by my Seahawks Sunday night against the Patriots. Uh, It's the Bengals. And honestly, the Bengals scored 30. If you told me the Bengals were going to score 30, I'd have picked them to beat the Browns. But, yeah, the Bengals scoring 30 is going to be more than the Seahawks give up. Yeah, I don't see the Seahawks giving up 30-plus uh, to Cam Newton and the new-look Patriots. So, yeah, I go with the Bungles. Yeah, the run-centric Patriots that scored, I think, 21 last week or something like that. Yeah, it, it, it's it's going to be the Bengals. Okay, last one. Over under two-and-a-half post-game cheeseburgers for Kansas City Chiefs head coach Andy Reid. I'm guessing over? Is that? Can I say that? <laughs> How do we get confirmation on this? You know, <laughs> we have connection to Andy. We can find out. That's true. I do. I do have some connections. So yeah, maybe we need to uh, hit up Tammy, his wife, and be like, "All right, how many how many cheeseburgers did the coach eat after what we think will be a win against the Chargers?" That wraps up. She's like, "New phone? Who this?" <laughs> probably. Yeah, prob- probably. The best of BYU Sports Nation. We'll be right back. Rise and shout for the trending topics of the week here on the best of BYU Sports Nation. Jerem, the Army game is gonzo for now. We hope it comes back November 28th. I would think that's the only date because I can't imagine that Army would want to play BYU right before they have the game against Navy. Depends if they want if they're undefeated and they want like another win to help their cause and a near six at large or something. Who knows? We'll see. But for now, how does the Army game postponement impact BYU's pursuit of a potentially special season? It does some damage. Uh, BYU is going to have a quote-unquote big game. Granted, this probably isn't a big game when all is said and done. Who knows? Maybe Army has a spectacular season, and this was a huge one. I thought that BYU would, one, play this game, and two, actually dominate this game. I've watched both Army games. I think Army is a good team. I don't think they're like top 20 in a regular season with everyone playing good. They didn't play anybody. Both those teams couldn't defend the option. They were crazy undisciplined. BYU would have won this game. Uh, Hopefully they do play this game later in the season. And you're right. It's not likely to be December 5th, but it is an opening. November 28th for both teams as well. Uh, If Army does schedule another game and they don't have another one postponed, they wouldn't have room for BYU on the schedule anyway. And we'll we'll get to a, a tweet from the Army athletic director in a moment, which was uh, pretty interesting. But I, I think this does some damage towards BYU's hopes of a special season. When we say special, let's let's just cut out the fat here. We're talking about a New Year's Six. Should they go undefeated? Ha ha! Blue goggles. It does some damage because Army's undefeated. They're ranked. BYU is one and zero. They're ranked. CBS one thirty. BYU's not going to get this opportunity back, and it's unfortunate that it cost BYU here. Let's hope the people who are positive don't spread it. Let's hope they're okay and not hospitalized, right? That's our number one concern there. But right now, only seven games on the schedule. If BYU goes 7-0, they don't deserve to be in a New Year's Six 
with only seven games. You need more. Everyone else is going to play. You'd think a few more. Um, so hopefully, hopefully BYU can reschedule this game and play it, and the Army's still good, and so is BYU. Uh, but this opportunity is gone, and it's a bummer. Today was supposed to be this great day like you talked about. Oh, BYU, Army, undefeated, ranked, CBS, this is going to be awesome. I'm not feeling awesome yeah. today, uh, even though we should. I'm feeling awesome that Chelsea's opening the season in the Premier League. But other than that, I'm a little bummed. Losing the national window in a ranked matchup on CBS is the thing that stings the most. Because I think, okay, hey, they might reschedule them. Even if it's postponed to November 28th, it'll be okay. But you'll never get the opportunity to play on September 19th on CBS National early in the season when hype and interest is at an all-time high because we've been without football and we were, you know, the Big Ten and Pac-12, We we for now, are shut down. The Big Ten might start in October. They might start in October. But, again, there's this thirst for football, and it's in the brightest of spotlights. Like, BYU's not going to get that back. On November 28th, if the Big Ten's playing and the SEC is going, well, let's be BYU's honest. not going to yeah. play on CBS National. No, they're a bunch of – the reason BYU was on CBS is because there were no SEC games. Yes. They do, they do not start until, what, this week, I think? So – or next week. That's why they got the game this week. A ranked matchup in a national window is not going to happen if the game is rescheduled on November 28th. Well, it, it – it, yeah, it won't be like CBS is over the air. I mean, even people with bunny ears right, still have CBS. We've talked about this a lot, and it's – man, it hurts to look at this graphic. 21st-ranked BYU, 22nd-ranked Army. They could have played. Mm-hmm. This is a real bummer. Two, two thoughts here. One, beating someone in the moment is what you remember the most, for sure, right? Hey, Wisconsin was ranked sixth. Boom. Uh, Pitt ranked third in 84. People don't often, we do on this show, go back and look if they were any good. What BYU could have done was beat a ranked team in the moment. If this game gets rescheduled, there's no guarantee that either team is ranked. I mean, BYU has a pretty good shot given the schedule and whatnot. But but Army, who knows? Army's not playing a ton of tough teams. If they kind of keep it up, I think they'll be pretty good. Uh, But you just miss that window because later we won't go back as easily and go, oh, well, how did Army actually do? That, that's what we do. So, yeah, th- this window's gone, and it's a bummer, and now BYU prepares for Troy, and they won't be able to practice fully this week, but let's see how it goes. While one big door closes, you look at what's happening across the landscape of college football and think, okay, maybe BYU will benefit from another big-name team having a game canceled because point. their opponent has COVID-19 positive tests because you look at what happened between Baylor and Houston. They're playing – a week later, they're they like, sch- hey, let's play. They scheduled a game a la BYU Navy in under 24 hours, and then Fox Sports was like, hey, we don't have like a high noon game of the day next Saturday. You want to play it? Baylor Houston, yeah, let's broadcast that game. That's a great point, and perhaps in November, BYU gets another game. Tom Homo, I believe, has strate- – I've not talked to him about this. He, I believe he has strategically opened up November for this very idea. We saw that tweet a couple weeks ago. We talked about it where he said, hey, if two teams, uh, you know, they, they have to postpone and one cannot make it up, we could, in theory, reschedule that game. I think he's hoping that there's an opportunity there in November. And uh, a lot of teams will be in the midst of conference play. Hopefully, BYU can get a better game. Because right now, BYU does not have a schedule that screams New Year's Six, even if they're undefeated, in my opinion. It's not good enough. Maybe now, if they good. beat a ranked Army team, then maybe there's it, a it, shove in the right direction. It helps, but when you're trying to outlarge the third-best SEC team, they will have played like four or five ranked teams. You know what I mean? 
So that and think about the adjusted rankings at this point. Like BYU's in right now. They wouldn't normally be after that win. They'd need another win or two. Yeah, they're a top but, third team based on the seventy six teams playing. Yeah, yeah. And and I counted this morning. I've got seventy seven. Oh, 77. So we're at 77. Apparently. So 77 teams yeah, a are ni- in. A nice odd number. <laughs> Louisiana Tech, come on down on October 2nd, Friday night, General Conference weekend. The Bulldogs and Cougars will meet for the first time ever and thus at a second game with a Conference USA opponent. Jason, does the addition of a Louisiana Tech team that won 10 games last season make up for the potential loss of the game with Army? Uh, It doesn't make up for Army, but I don't think that the intention from Tom Holmo was to schedule this game to make up for Army. Look, getting, as you mentioned, Louisiana Tech 10 wins last season, it's a good team. The fact that you were able to get them at home, that, that's, a, that's a good thing. I have a feeling that this game probably would have been scheduled independent of whether or not Army played, Army and BYU played this weekend or not. We knew that Tom was looking to fill open dates throughout the remaining parts of the schedule. This was an open date, so I don't think one has anything to do with the other. Obviously, the hope is that you get Army rescheduled, and by all accounts, at least from BYU side of things, they would certainly want to do that. But beyond being able to play the 2-0 Black Knights this week, you're, you're missing out on the exposure of what Saturday mm-hmm. afternoon was going to be. You had two undefeated teams, granted 2-0 and 1-0, but you had both teams that are coming off very impressive victories, both of Army's victories were impressive. BYU, obviously, we know what they did against Navy. This was getting legit promotion. It was going to be on the Saturday afternoon slot on CBS. There were a lot of people extremely excited about this. When, when it was announced that it was postponed, there were several national college football writers that were disappointed they weren't going to get an opportunity to see this game. So Army's looked really good. BYU's looked good. You're going to miss out on that. So I really don't think that the Louisiana Tech game makes up for it, but I don't think it was ever intended to make up for it. I think it's pretty close in terms of the quality of opponent, or it will turn out to be such, Jason. Um, uh, And Louisiana Tech's going to play their first game this weekend, and then they'll come to Provo on October 2nd. So we'll, we'll start to find out what they're really about. But based on just the name alone, when I heard it, I thought, okay, this is uh, a better opponent than quite a few of the teams that BYU has on the schedule. Like, I would take Louisiana Tech over Texas State and Western Kentucky and UTSA. Like, this is a... This is a good football team. quality team that BYU has scheduled. But they're not nationally ranked, and they're not 2-0, and they're not a service academy that has a deal with CBS Sports where you're going to go play on national television. So it doesn't not, as you pointed out, it does not make up for the window of opportunity that BYU loses out nationally, just exposure for the team. But quality of opponent, I think it's pretty close. I'm looking at ESPN's Football Power Index, and they have Louisiana Tech at number 55 right now. But again, they haven't played. They've gotten projected to win seven games uh, out of the 11 that they have scheduled. This is a good football team, and BYU is fortunate that they're coming to Provo. I also think this is a really good sign for what's happened over the last couple of days. Obviously, with BYU having to postpone the Army game due to a couple of, of positive COVID tests within, within the program, you know, a, a lot of people immediately overreacted that, not okay, this just means the season's going to be canceled. N- no, it doesn't. It was a postponement of one game, not a cancellation of the season. And I think the fact that Tom is still scheduling other opponents 
lends credence to that, that BYU's not trying to fold up the tents for the season. They're, they're moving forward. They're going to play Troy in two weeks. They're, they're scheduling games out. This was, this was a little bump in the road. This is not something that's going to cancel the season. I think that is a very positive sign. I'm very interested to see what happens with the Big Ten today and Pac-12 moving forward. Apparently tonight, the Big Ten, because <laughs> that got leaked that they're making an announcement tonight accidentally because of a hot mic. Hot mics! Hot mics! <laughs> uh, be careful when you're speaking in front of a microphone. I don't think it's going to result in any games for BYU, but I do wonder about what the Mountain West Conference decide to do and the Mid-American Conference decide to do if the wake of the Big Ten and Pac-12 returning kind of makes them think, all right, well, I guess we should start playing football now and we need to look for opportunities. Will they be strictly conference only or will the smaller conferences be open to scheduling a November game with the likes of BYU or even the first week of December? Yeah, but can those smaller schools financially do it? I don't know. I, I, I mean, look, look, the Big Ten's going to lose a lot of money regardless, but they still have more money than the G5 conferences where these, some of these schools, I mean, there's, there's just no way they can play. From a financial standpoint, I just don't know how – I don't think it will have – look, I could be completely wrong on this, but I think from a financial standpoint, I would be surprised if any of the G5s change course. It's just wild how many pieces are still moving. BYU just scheduled a game for this season right. when the season has already right. started. It's nuts. All right, say the least. BYU basketball is go for launch on November 25th, but who will they play with all of these early season multi-team events being canceled? I'm gathering from these next comments, BYU head basketball coach Mark Pope is thinking about those potential high-level opponents a lot. We just want to play the hardest schedule we can possibly play. We want to play the best teams we can possibly play. If that means we're flying to Florida and New York in a, in a safe manner uh, to play games, we'll do it. If, if it means we can do it by driving down the freeway, we'll do it. We just, we just know, you know, we believe that we have a good team. We have a lot of things we have to figure out. Uh, I, I think most people say we have a great team if we just had a better coach. So we, we, we got it, but, but we, we have – we have a ton of things we need to figure out, but I don't want this season to go by without us of having every possible opportunity to play the best competition in the country so that we can prove who we are. Jerem, what do you think of this BYU basketball refurbished scheduling philosophy in 2020? I think it is what it is. Uh, we're, we're, like football, Tom Homo had to make up 10 games. Are you kidding me? BYU basketball is going to have to make up a bunch of games. And we know they had some good games already scheduled, notably with three Pac-12 teams. I'm glad BYU is getting out of the junk new jam, by the way. That wasn't going to help BYU that much in terms of the quad one, quad two ability there. Maybe one quad two game, but it is what it is. And I think this may, this may actually benefit BYU. They may have a better schedule than they would have because now they can uh, organize themselves into different MTEs. Maybe it's not the formal MTEs, the multi-team events that they had before, but now BYU can figure out, okay, how can we get Dayton, Houston, Seton Hall, Baylor, Michigan, Villanova, Louisville, Butler, those kind of teams that would be quad one games on a neutral court, or maybe it's a bunch of road games. In football, I'm the anti too many power fives, too tough schedule thing. That's because you're not rewarded for it. There's no reward for it. But in basketball, there is actual reward for it. The way that the committee 
looks at your resumes based on who you play and where you play them. So I'm all for loader up in hoops. Yeah, I anticipate the exact opposite of what BYU football had to deal with in 2020, which is you lose all of your power five games and then you just go out and find whoever's available, whether it's from the American Conference, the Sun Belt, Conference USA, and you piece together a schedule that, hey, it's great to have a schedule, but it's not really going to catch any eyeballs outside of a season opener with Navy and maybe a game against Houston. Now, BYU basketball is the benefactor of all of these multi-team events canceling because typically high-level college basketball teams are featured prominently in these events. And so, yeah, BYU could end up playing a Florida or a Dayton. And as you pointed out, Jerem, you're rewarded for this. Even if you lose the game, if you're competitive – then you're rewarded for going on the road and even being in that game. Now, if you win that game, we saw what can happen when you win a special game, a la BYU basketball did last year a couple of times when they went on the road and beat Houston and then beat Gonzaga to close out the regular season. So the opportunities will be great, and I like that Mark Pope is continuing this aggressive scheduling mentality. Why would we expect anything differently from him? This is the guy at Utah Valley that played the toughest 24 hours when he played Kentucky and Duke with Utah Valley and actually put up a pretty good fight uh, in both of those games. So, yeah, this is par for the course for Mark Pope. And I'm kind of thinking that he's licking his chops because all of these other teams, they want to be in position to make the NCAA tournament as well. And BYU, based on what they did last year and the schedule they're trying to put together this year, is going to be, more often than not, a quad one opportunity for all of these opposing teams. Most of what Mark Pope and BYU had last year was given to Mark by Dave Rose. That was like San Diego State and Houston. Those were already on the schedule. Mark didn't have to get those. But this year, this is Mark's schedule, right? This is Nick Robinson's uh, schedule. I'm stoked like you. I think BYU can take advantage of this and play a tougher schedule. Because if BYU plays a really tough schedule, it's not about – it's more about how many quad ones did you have? How many quads did you have? And we learned from Tom Homo being on the selection committee. It's about having enough of those total games on there and then getting enough of those wins. So hopefully BYU can stack it up. They're going to play, you know, a handful of games fewer. The NCAA said, you know, you're not going to play a 31 game regular season. You're going to play fewer games. So BYU will have fewer opportunities. I would say BYU is probably not going to have as many cupcakes at home uh, they may need to go out on the road a bunch, and then we'll see what happens with the conference schedule. I do want to see Utah on the schedule. I know that the Pac-12 has said we're not playing any games until January 1. Well, maybe things have changed a little bit, right, yes. with the Big Ten returning. In- yeah, it feels like things have changed for the Pac-12, obviously with the Big Ten leading out, <laughs> uh, to say the least. But I, I like that BYU is positioning themselves to go out. And as Mark said, we'll go to New York. We'll go to Florida. We'll travel safely. You tell me that these coaches from high-level programs are not like, uh, you'll come and play us in our gym? Yeah, okay. Let's schedule BYU. This could be a very, very entertaining, shortened non-conference season for BYU. And, and expect some COVID cancellations and postponements. Uh, I don't know that they'll be rescheduling those, but we'll see. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Hear what the coaches, athletes, and experts have to say. Here's another great interview from the week on the best of BYU Sports Nation. 
And it is our pleasure now to welcome in on the Desert First Credit Union hotline. He is a beat writer for the Army Black Knights for the Times Herald record. Ken McMillan joins us and makes his BYUSN debut. Ken, great to have you on the program. How are you? Good, thank you. Thanks for having me. Man, I wish uh, BYU and Army were playing in West Point this Saturday. That is not the case. And we saw Army and their athletic director and coach kind of put some social media messages out there saying, hey, anybody want to play? BYU can't. We're, we're ready. We're good. Uh, is there any chance that Army plays this weekend? No, not at all. Uh, they, uh, they made attempts with 20 schools uh, once they learned about the BYU cancellation and couldn't line anything up, which I'm not surprised. I mean, at this late stage, it's hard to schedule something uh, five days out. When we look at this game and the potential of it being rescheduled because uh, the, the rhetoric has been, hey, they're going to try and reschedule. Are they really? Because it's, it, it feels like it's going to be difficult to do so. What, what's your sense of whether this is going to be rescheduled or not? I don't think it's going to be difficult to reschedule, to tell you the truth. The, the issue was Jeff Munkin, the head coach of Army, wanted to play this week uh, for obvious reasons. Army's off to a 2-0 start, playing some good ball have momentum, and they also had a CBS TV window um, given to them. So CBS doesn't offer Army a lot of uh, games on the big network. They do have the contract with CBS Sports Network. So uh, it would have been advantageous for Army to to play this week. So unfortunate that they can't. Um, I think when Mike Buddy put out his note about seeking an opponent, I don't think he was taking a jab at uh, Brigham Young, to tell you the truth. I really think that uh, they honestly were looking for anybody to, to play, um, you know, even into the, uh, the Division One AA ranks. So it didn't come It didn't happen. Uh, November 28th is still an open date for both schools. So is December 5th. But there's no way that Army is going to agree to December 5th, one week before Navy. So as far as I'm concerned, I think November 28th is uh, ideal if uh, both schools can agree. Why haven't they agreed on it up to this point if both are available on that day and they do want to reschedule it? I'm not saying that they can't. Uh, I think Army was going to exhaust all possibilities to play this Saturday. And frankly, as of I think they gave themselves a Tuesday deadline yesterday. It didn't happen. Uh, Bob Beretta, the associate athletic director who pieced together this schedule on, on the fly, Uh, pretty much said they tried, and it didn't happen. So uh, as of noontime here today, there is no game Saturday. I think they'll proceed forward uh, to Brigham Young for the end of the uh, regular season. Ken McMillan, sports editor and Army beat writer for the Times-Herald Record with us on BYU Sports Nation. If you could put a percent chance to BYU and Army being rescheduled for November 28th, how confident are you right now, and, and what percent chance would you give it? I would give it a, a very high chance. Uh, you know, I'm not a betting man, but I'll say 90%. I don't mm. see why there's no excuse not to play at the end of the year, barring any more issues with COVID and things of that nature. So it's an open date. Uh, they have a contract, and Army is supposed to get a return date to uh, Brigham Young in 2032 through you know through this deal. So uh, I don't see why there's no excuse not to have this game. Amen to that, and I think we were all looking forward to this one, right? It was going to be this uh, two teams that had won their games early. It was going to be on CBS, two teams that have 
got into the adjusted top 25. This was going to be awesome. And for BYU and Army, I think they're both seeking and, and thinking, hey, maybe something special could happen this year based on the performance early. So hopefully they can line it up. That'd be nice. Um, so give us a sense of, with Army, do they feel like this team is grossly better than last year's 5-8 and eight squad and that they could do something special this year? Uh, they don't like comparing to previous years, and obviously they were 5-8 and eight last year. They had their struggles, some mistakes, uh, but they seem re-energized. The pieces are falling in place on both offense and defense. They have a uh, an experienced quarterback back. They have a tremendous fullback who's produced four touchdowns, Stanley McCoy. Defense has Nate Woody is the new defensive coordinator. He was at Georgia Tech in 18 and Michigan in 19. And you can see a marked difference in the uh, the defense. They've got six takeaways so far this year. They're playing good ball. Now, granted, they did play, uh, you know, Middle Tennessee and Louisiana Monroe aren't exactly top 25 teams, and they weren't coming off great seasons. And there were a lot of issues with Middle Tennessee having only two weeks to prepare for playing an option team. Not a good thing for any squad. <laughs> and, and Louisiana Monroe, uh, they, they suffered through a COVID outbreak. Then they had Hurricane Laura during which time they only had one practice over 10 days, mm. and they lost their defensive coordinator 10 days before the season started. So everything was working against Louisiana Monroe. So as well as Army's playing, outscoring the opposition 79-7, to they haven't played a, a top-notch foe just yet, and BYU would have been that. Sure, and they're going to get it against Cincinnati on September 26th. Uh, what was your impression of BYU football having watched them play against Navy, who, like the teams you just referenced, kind of said, man, we just didn't have much time to prepare. We didn't go live contact. So how, how good is BYU and how unprepared was Navy? Uh, I was very impressed by BYU. Uh, no doubt you put up numbers like that. Uh, as far as Navy goes, I'm sure you guys have already you know, read about Kenny Niamano Olo's uh, response from Navy saying that, they were kind of protecting their players. They were using tackling dummies and not having live tackling. So I don't think Navy was fully prepared, and Kenny fully admitted that too. I think if he had it to do it over, Navy would have been a lot better prepared against BYU. But BYU was impressive uh, and certainly will be a, a great task for any team they face this year. We've been Kenny Matalolo fans for a while. One, he's a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, so we've always had that connection right with him here. Uh, but he interviewed for the BYU job and whatnot. So we love Ken, but he did say the other day, wait a minute, this is unfair with the Commander-in-Chief uh, trophy that Air Force plays these two games and we got to play the whole thing. Give, a, give us a sense of how unique this season is in terms of that particular competition among Navy, Army, and Air Force, where Air Force is only playing the two games, but Navy and Army are playing what they hope is a fullish schedule. Well, let's face it. This is COVID versus tradition. Uh, the Commander-in-Chief's game has been played for, what, nearly 60 years now. So it's, it's important to have that competition. Uh, I think all of America appreciates that competition as well. Uh, Air Force and Navy have had tremendous games uh, the past couple of years. And, uh, of course, Army retain, uh, won the commander-in-chief for a couple of years in a row, which hadn't been done in a long time. So it really re-energized things here. Um, to tell you the truth, when I, when I heard that the Air Force was not going to have a, a Mountain West season, I thought, oh, well, that's a, that's a shame, especially if they were going to move it to the spring ball, which the Mountain West can still do. But then when I read that Air Force said, no, 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 we're still going to play these two games, I'm like, oh, well, on one hand, I'm saying it's tremendous. 
but it, then I, I listen to Coach Kenny and I say, you know, he's totally right what he told the, <laughs> the, the Capital Gazette. How do you, this is not like 1890 when Army played Navy and you had to prepare for one game. This is, you know, current day and to have, to prepare an entire preseason for Navy would definitely puts Navy at a disadvantage, especially if Navy's playing week after week. One of the things that Jeff Munkin, the reason why Jeff Munkin wanted to play this week, whether it was BYU, BYU or any opponent, is because he said, our team is healthy mm. right now. When you play week after week after week, injuries mount, situations arise, you get weaker as the season goes along. I think that's true of any football program. So uh, if, if Air Force has a, a, can go scot-free and only risk injury in practice, that gives them a competitive advantage against Navy, and I understand why he was upset. Uh, but I am, I'm still glad that Air Force and Navy and Army can still play for this trophy, but Kenny's right. Uh, this is unfortunate, but you know what? Those are the cards that are being dealt. All right, Ken, let's say hypothetically that another high-level group of five team has a COVID scenario come up and they want to play another game and Army's like, hey, we've got November 28th open for the likes of uh, UCF or an Appalachian State. Is there any reason or is, is that a factor into maybe why there is some hesitation to add BYU on November 28th? Because maybe there's uh, another high-level opponent out there that could be added due to COVID. I don't think that was Army's motivation here. However, the opportunity is there. So uh, I don't think Army was shopping for a better opponent. I, I don't think you can get much better than what you've got with BYU. So, uh, but the opportunity is there. Uh, but I'm not, a, I'm not a lawyer. So you've already signed a contract with each other. And barring strange circumstances, which, of course, 2020 is just that, uh, I really think Army and BYU are going to face each other. But the opportunity still remains open. And as you said earlier, uh, BYU has other dates to fill themselves. So you're, you're in the same boat uh, as far as picking up opponents as the season moves along. You've made us feel better. I mean, when you said 80 or 90 percent, I just immediately felt better about life in general. So thanks for bringing the solid energy to the program today. Thanks, guys. You got it. Ken McMillan on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Deseret First, you know why we show how. Yeah, I'm really hoping they can connect on November 28th. That seems like the date, right? Uh, Both have it. Army has October 31st available, but BYU has a game, Western Kentucky. December 5th, yeah, you made that point. It's super valid. Like, don't schedule a game before. Um, and, and in theory, if Navy's playing for the American championship, is the American title on the fifth? I believe um, so. Then they need that open f- like Navy does, right? Um, and that, they wouldn't want to uh, have the, a similar situation. So, yeah, let's get that game rescheduled. I, don't, I still don't understand why it's not on the schedule right now. What's the holdup? Well, maybe it was. They're just waiting to see if they could get a game this week. Now that they can't, now lawyers are back in agreements. And we, based on what he told me, Maybe it is rescheduled by the end of the week. I don't know. All right, let's see it then. Let's do it, man. Show show me the money. Let's do it. We'll be right back with more of the best of BYU Sports Nation. The best of BYU Sports Nation collects our favorite conversations and brings them to you every Saturday. So let's assume that 
the Pac-12 returns to play in late October, early November. Obviously, the Big Ten's coming back. Maybe the Mountain West is going to get in on this as well. How much does it impact and potentially hurt BYU's bowl chances? Look, I I don't think it hurts whether they go to a bowl. I, with, with the way I think BYU finishes the season, they're going to go to a bowl. I think what it does is it, it affects maybe the quality of bowl that they would have gone to otherwise. I think that's where the Pac-12 coming back has its biggest effect on BYU's bowl scenario. If the Pac-12. If, but look, they're coming back. After everything yesterday and the embarrassment of the California governor saying, oh, I never said you couldn't do that. And then the Pac-12, just it was a horrible look for everybody involved. You can't go through that. And essentially the governor say, well, yeah, you guys could have done this all along. You can't then not come back. Sorry, let me modify that if. If the Pac-12 comes back in a timely manner. Now, the other thing that Stuart Mandel brought up, Jason, is that California and Oregon are dealing with terrible air quality and just raging wildfires. So you can practice, and they want to do it in a modified format, five-on-five, or like take the Navy approach, which we all saw how well that worked out for Navy against BYU. It just... I know they want to get back to playing quickly, but I don't know that they can do so at a high level. So I, I'm almost of the opinion that the Pac-12 should not try and play any games until at least November based on what they're dealing with politically, geographically, with, with everything going on around them. Well, aren't they talking about like an eight-game, eight-week schedule? Isn't that essentially what, they, what they've yeah, been talking about? Yeah, that's in the perfect world. What, like we've seen that someone's going to get COVID. No, yeah, and, and I – I agree with you. I, I think for the Pac-12, that, that does get pushed. I, regardless of, of whether they play or not, and again, I think they, they're going to. I think they almost have to at this point. I, I think it, it would definitely come after the Big Ten starts. I don't think they could start as quickly as the Big Ten just because of all of the circumstances they're dealing with beyond just the COVID. Yeah, we'll see. But the big, even the Big Ten needs everything to go basically perfectly for them to put themselves in position to have their college football playoff contender. Like if... COVID cases break out in the Big Ten and they're already on a shortened, condensed schedule and they can't afford to have a week off, then it's all kind of for naught in in terms of chasing a national championship. That's what they want to do. They were very clear, like, we want to be in the college football playoff. So can the Pac-12 return in time to put themselves in position to play in their usual bowl games and be in consideration for the college football play. Okay, so while we're talking about bowl games, uh, Stuart Mandel, in that interview, addressed some BYU bowl game options. What's the perfect bowl fit for BYU, do you think? I've been saying this since we made our preseason prediction in August. The Holiday Bowl seems like a perfect fit for BYU because the Cougars have history there and a storied history there. And it's not just the Holiday Bowl, the Poinsettia Bowl. And guess what? The Poinsettia Bowl... Those are the same folks that run the Holiday Bowl. They sell tickets when BYU plays there. If California is selling tickets at all during the (laughs) bowl game, but they get eyeballs. They can sell advertising. I think the Holiday Bowl, if the Pac-12 is not in position to place a team there, and I don't know what the stipulations are. Like, would they take like a... A uh, Pac-12 team that's only played seven games. There's so many unknowns with all of this. There's no way to know because we're we're basing all of these things off of old information. Like, well, this is what used to happen. It's constantly these, changing. These were, these were the rules that everybody used to go by when things were normal. Well, things aren't normal now, so everything's going to change. And, and actually, if you missed what Stewart said about the bowl chances, here what he here's what he said in terms of options for BYU. 
if you're the Holiday Bowl, uh, which has a Pac-12 team in it, if you're the Sun Bowl that has a Pac-12 team in it, are you going to play this on your usual date and just fill it in with somebody else? Because if you are, I mean, BYU has a history in the Holiday Bowl. There's there's your spot right there. Uh, or are they going to say, we're going to wait on the Pac-12 and we'll play a game in March or whenever that might be? I don't know. I love the idea of BYU being in the Holiday Bowl yes. because of the history. So many unbelievable BYU football memories happened in the Holiday Bowl. So I love an opportunity to be able to do that. And in all likelihood, you're going to get a pretty good opponent in it, yes. too. Yes. What is it, the uh, the third-place Big Ten team or a third-place Big 12 team? Like, it's going to be a quality, quality opponent. Well, and here's the other part about it. If this season plays out for BYU football like like I think, like we think, this team is going to deserve to have a good bowl game and a good bowl opponent. That's the thing. You want to validate the yes. season? And you, then Because the rhetoric will be, well, they haven't beaten anybody. And that was kind of the case in 1996 when BYU was number five in the country. They were 13-1 and one after they beat Wyoming. But people were like, oh, well, Wyoming's in the whack. What, I mean, what really is the whack? Let's see what BYU does against number 14, Kansas State. And we saw what they did. And they figured out a way to win <laughs> that game, essentially in a de facto road environment. So give BYU a quality bowl game, bowl opponent. Then, then therein lies your a chance to validate if this team is legit or not. Join the conversation 24-7 on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook using the hashtag BYUSN. The best of BYU Sports Nation rolls on after this. Get caught up in the week in Cougar Sports. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. And I now welcome in Anthony Trish, senior college football analyst for Pro Football Focus on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Anthony, great to have you on BYU Sports Nation. How are you? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on. How are you doing? Fantastic, especially when I look at the numbers that uh, you and your fellows at uh, Pro Football Focus are putting out about BYU. Why, why are the Cougars so highly rated, uh, specifically on the offensive line, it seems like year in and year out? Yeah, and, you know, this was an offensive line that we pegged as one of the best in college football. Assuming we had a, a normal year, all 130 FBS schools were playing, we had them as the sixth best in the country and they definitely looked like that against navy now you got to kind of have to weigh the opponent there and take that with a grain of salt but i mean these guys just from top to bottom routinely were creating open holes for the run game and just for the the zone rushing attack i mean some of the blocks were beautiful in there you know the quality of opponent again really wasn't all that great but i mean they just absolutely did damage and i was really excited to see you know guys like clark uh barrington and tristan hodge to really get out there because those were the top two performers on the line for the game. Typically you see James Empey and uh, Brady Christensen. Those were, I, we feel as two of the most underrated players at their positions, you know, across the board in all of college football. So it was good to see Barrington and Hodge get in there and ha- have some really good reps. Now here's the thing. BYU's offensive line coach, Eric Mateos calls all of this positivity from pro football focus or any other source poison and he tells his guys not to drink the poison so uh how do we approach this with coach mateos do we just entirely ignore the fact that uh, they're putting up these amazing numbers i mean i i respect it you got to keep the guys motivated you can't tell them that 
right now they're the highest graded offensive line in college football because they're not maybe they won't work as hard yeah i, I respect it because you got to keep the guys motivated tell them where to improve to make sure they don't lose that number one spot but right now i mean notre dame is our top offensive line when you're looking at what they did with quality of opponent but i think byu is sneaking up on them now to be fair Eric Mateos's mom is all about the positivity and the high grades. So maybe you just connect with her that way and leave the coach out of it. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> it's, it's a good stuff for the, the fans and sometimes the coaches when, especially when it's bad, that it gives them more motivation. Anthony Trish, senior college football analyst from pro football focus with us on BYU sports nation. How does BYU's offensive line stack up, not just against Notre Dame, but the typical offensive line in uh, one of the power five conferences. Yeah, I think they're, I, they would be one of the, be- if assuming they were in a power five conference, they would have one of the better offensive lines in a power five conference. And, you know, when you're seeing some of these grades, if I recall correctly, the run block grade as a team was north of 95.0, which is astronomical. I mean, the first time when I w- went re- before I rewatched the game, I couldn't believe it. I thought someone made a mistake down the road. But then I dug into it. And I was like, no, this is, this is legit. This is accurate. But, I mean, again, Navy, they, we knew they were going to be bad. And, I mean, they at every single position, uh, offense and defense, they just didn't stack up with them. I mean, for perspective, in regards to expected points added per play, um, that was their worst defensive and offensive showing in the PFF college era in a single game. And we back, it's going back to 2014. And it really wasn't even close. So <laughs> I think it says it says a lot about, you know, BYU is good, but it also says how bad Navy is. But again, that offensive line, I think, would be one of the best in a Power 5 conference. I think you just gave us our stat of the day right there. <laughs> I'm just going back to 2014. Anthony, uh, for those that aren't familiar with a run block grade or a pass block grade, Walk us through the particulars of how you grade an offensive line because it is a position that most common football fans don't understand much about. Yeah, and the thing about our offensive line grades, those are perhaps the most stable of any position. You see guys in coverage all the time, whether it's collegiate or NFL, you know, they'll have maybe an 80.0 coverage grade, but the next year you see that down to maybe 57. It's just because it's so you know, it's every target's different. So when you get to the offensive line, our, our research and development department found those are the most stable grades year to year. And what we do, we have a process. So we have kind of a grading scale and it goes from zero to 0.5 plus one plus 1.5 plus two. And anything really above that plus one range is those are your wow plays. Those are the ones you go back and watch the highlight and your kind of, your jaw kind of drops. And the same with the minus 0.5, minus one. Once you get into that minus one, minus 1.5, minus two, those are your like, that was a really, really bad play type of thing. So really, you know, it's just all about, you know, it's especially for offensive line and whether it's, you know, pass protection, pass protection, you don't want to lose. I mean, that's, that's a given, you know, and then run blocking again, you don't want to lose your rep. You do not want to lose your matchup, you know, get, get your running back contacted behind the line of scrimmage type of thing. So, I mean, I think those are perhaps one of our best things we have here at PFF are our offensive line days. Anthony Trish from Pro Football Focus with us on BYU Sports Nation. I know we've talked a lot about Navy and how bad they were in that season opener against BYU, but 
when you look at BYU's schedule, it's not exactly something to write home about in terms of strength. So where do you anticipate the BYU offense as a whole will finish when all is said and done in this strange 2020 season? I, I think they're going to finish pretty good. And, you know, you mentioned that their schedule, it, it's pretty weak across the board. I think maybe their toughest matchup might be Western Kentucky, but I'm starting to have doubts about their defense as well. I thought they had an above average group of five defense, but this past weekend, it's Louisville. They looked bad. I mean, bad across the board. Hopefully it was just rust for them, but yeah, I mean, BYU schedule, it, it's pretty, pretty easy there for them. I'm really curious to see how this offense is going to end up. We had them, you know, with all the 130 FBS schools, we had them in the mid forties in our offensive ranking. Um, and then Zach Wilson quarterback, he was in the mid threes for uh, that. But when you're looking at the defenses they face, I wouldn't be surprised if they put up numbers that are in that top 15, top 10 type of range, just because the, the defenses they're going to face, I mean, they're going to be better than Navy, but they're not going to be a whole lot better. Wow. Okay. I think BYU fans, regardless of opponent, can get on board with a top 15 or a top 10 offense because it's been a while. And you mentioned Zach Wilson, who's leading the charge for this BYU offense at quarterback. Uh, what is his best trait? What, what does he grade out at best right now? Yeah, it's definitely his ball placement on, you know, on underneath concepts. I mean, that's really, that was the backbone of his success in the past. I mean, just last year on any throws less than nine yards downfield, he was the 17th highest graded quarterback in college football. But the thing that, you know, kind of gave us a little bit of pause with him was just the, some of the decisions he made when going downfield, he got tricked a few times, didn't really, sometimes it looked like he forgot to read the defense and, you know, he threw a bad turnover worthy throw and, you know, a turnover worthy throw for those who don't know, you know, you have your basic box score interceptions, but all the time you'll have a quarterback throwing right to the, you know, say it's a linebacker, hit him right in the midst. He drops it. Everyone forgets about it. It's just an incomplete pass, but in our grading system, it incorporates that and it gives it the same, you know, if he did catch it or not, it's the same grade. It's not going to be a good one type of thing. And so when, you're looking at his turnover worthy throw rate on throws of 10 or more yards last year. He was outside of the top 100. And then we, he also had one of those against Navy. So that's, that's one thing I'm kind of curious to see how he goes, but I, I mean, again, he, he landed in the mid thirties and our quarterback rankings for a reason. So. Yeah. The interception at Navy, uh, his receiver slips and he throws it. It looks like straight to a defender, but from what you're telling me, you grade the mistake level within the interception on a pretty detailed scale. Is that correct? Oh, absolutely. I mean, and we'll have, we have all the time interceptions that aren't deemed turnover worthy. You know, you'll see that quite a bit, whether, you know, it's um, you miscommunication there. That's something we try to debunk. That's kind of the, the number one thing you look at, you know, was there a miscommunication here? Was it the receiver's fault? Did, you know, did he tip it up in the air or was it the quarterback's fault type of thing? So yeah, we get, we get very deep into these types of things, you know, try and get the most accurate representation of what a quarterback is. As good as BYU's offense was, and they were really good against Navy, the defense gave up all of three points in Annapolis headlined by Kyrus Tonga, the big man on the front. What do you like most about Kyrus's game and how does it translate potentially to an NFL career? Yeah, it's definitely the run defense. I mean, that that's the first thing that comes, you know, jumps off the tape there. And he actually had one of the highest run defense grades for BYU. He had the second highest run defense grade at 75.6. So, I mean, that's really, you know, that that's his bread and butter. I'm not sure how much he's going to do as a pass rusher, but I mean, he's going to stop the run all day long. 
Anthony, great to have you on BYU Sports Nation, man. You're a wealth of knowledge when it comes to the details of football. And I'm sure as long as BYU continues to do well in Pro Football Focus, we're probably going to want to talk to you. <laughs> That's awesome. Thanks for having me on. You got it. Anthony Trish on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Deseret First, you know why we show how. The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Top 5 Tuesday brings you the top five blowouts in BYU football history presented by Delta Airlines. Keep climbing. Number five, the largest blowout in BYU history. BYU beat UTEP in 1980, 83 to 70, setting a record. What? 80, excuse me, 83 to 7. Okay. Excuse me, thank you. Setting a record that still stands for the most points scored. Jim McMahon threw for 451 yards and six touchdowns. Now on the screen, you see uh, All-American Nick Ayer running the UTEP defensive line into the ground and current athletic director Tom Holmo, yep. who was a sophomore on this defense, making the tackle. 83-7 blowout. 83 points at number four. It happened all of mm, eight days ago. Labor Day 2020, BYU goes to Annapolis and sinks the Navy. 55-3, the largest opening day victory since 1986 when BYU beat Utah State 52-0. Lopini Katoa, three total touchdowns. Tyler Algier, two more touchdowns. BYU pulled their starters in the third quarter and landed themselves at number 21 in the AP Top 25. Number three comes back to 1989, great year, when Ty Detmer torched the Utes for 70 points. BYU got out to a 63-10 lead in this one, 63-10, winning ultimately 70-31. BYU scored eight touchdowns on its first eight drives. The 70 points scored is a series record. And is and the uh, the 101 total points scored is also a series record. BYU running back Fred Whittingham said after the game, "quote It was just as easy as it looked. It was like we were running against air. It was easy to break tackles and find holes. Their defense didn't seem to be there." End quote. Whoa. Oh, how I long for those days. Oh. Number two all started with Taysom Hill's leap of faith at Texas. An unforgettable 30-yard touchdown run. The first of his three scores on the ground what? and sparked a 28-point third quarter. BYU beat Texas 41-7. Largest non-conference home loss for Texas since 1997. And keep in mind, this was just one year removed from BYU's 40-21 blowout of Texas in Provo. Yes. Number one comes in 2008 when number 18 BYU crushed UCLA 59 to nothing behind seven Max Hall touchdown passes. Now you got to go all the way back to 1929 to find a time where UCLA suffered a worse loss than they did in Provo that day. UCLA entered the game 1-0 after beating 18th-ranked Tennessee in Week 1, but BYU put this one to bed early, scoring 35 points in the second quarter alone. They took a 42-0 lead into halftime and extended it to 59-0 through three quarters before they uh, called off the dogs. When Wayne Latu is having a great game, you know it's not a good day for UCLA. 59 to nothing, and those are your top five blowouts in BYU football history. That wraps up the best of BYU Sports Nation this week. Tune in next Saturday for the Cougar news you need to hear and catch the BYU Sports Nation simulcast every day at noon Eastern, 9 Pacific on BYU TV and BYU Radio.